city, Kansas City, here I come. Going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. They got some pay the little women. One day I'm gonna get me one. Stand on the corner, corner 12 Street Vine. Honorable 
Judge, Martina Peterson, and Rhonda, who will be another uh, co-host. And so just give a little brief uh, who you are and who your friend is. I know she's a public defender. Okay, well, this is Martina Peterson. I am a municipal court judge here in Kansas City, and uh, MC has uh, offered to allow me to co-host some of the shows with him. Um, I don't pick sides politically, um, so I stay neutral in that, but I do like to get information out to individuals when it's important, things that it will impact them. Um, I have been with the municipal court for a couple of years. Uh, before that, I was at the family court as a commissioner, a juvenile judge down there for nine years helping with abuse neglect cases and delinquencies for juveniles. Uh, prior to that, I was at the State Public Defender's Office, and that's where our co-host and I met. Rona Holloman Hughes was also a State Public Defender for years. Uh, then she went out and she formed her own company, and then uh, she uh, decided to go work for the Federal Public Defender's Office. So she's a Federal Public Defender, but she's also very active in the community, and I'm gonna let Rona get into a little bit of information about what she has done in different community organizations over the years because I know this show is about construction or we are at least trying to focus on the construction um, avenue in Kansas City, uh, particularly to uh, give tribute to uh, the gentleman and I'll, I'll let her introduce himself, Mr. Harris. So for the construction area, Roman's had some history in helping with the civil rights areas with construction in the past. Ms. Hughes? Thank you, Judge Peterson. This is Rona Holloman Hughes, and I'm happy to be here today. I want to uh, send my prayers out to Mr. Harris um, and, and his family. May he rest in peace. And uh, I just want to say I am a native of St. Louis. I grew up in um, West County. I graduated from Leduc, go Rams. Um, I uh, then went to law school at Washington University. I transplanted to Kansas City in 1993, where I became a state public defender. Um, I'm now uh, with the Federal Public Defender's Office after uh, a journey. But um, one of the things I've done here since I've uh, been in Kansas City is help form a group called the Friends of the Greater Kansas City Coalition of African Skilled Trade Workers. Um, it's Pearl Fain, who retired from um, the uh, police uh, Community Board um, was also one of the co-founders. And what we did was back when H&R Block and Sprint and all those buildings were coming up, we tried to make sure that we got um, our journeymen on those projects. And we tried to make sure that we got um, people into some of those unions so they could continue to make um, that money that the unions make. Um, we, were, we, we found that a lot of people were coming from out of town um, to work here uh, through the unions, and we wanted more people in Kansas City to have those opportunities. So hopefully we helped. Um, I also was on the board of, of the Kit Bond Bridge and helped um, get um, many people their journey while they were there. So um, I do know some things about um, construction, and I'm hoping uh, to be able to answer some questions and um, to uh, ask some questions too. Thank you for having me. Okay, uh, we uh, go back to the judge uh, give us a, lot, a little summary about uh, what we started last week, uh, the Truth Project, and she'll go over a little summary and then 
uh, that's one of the areas we are really uh, targeting, not only the lake, but also Tooth Avenue. Judge? Well, there's uh, some groups in Kansas City that are trying to figure out where we want to have uh, Martin Luther King Avenue. Uh, at one time, city council, they had enough proof having municipal, uh, having Martin Luther King Boulevard to go down for sale. Uh, the city decided, or the people of Kansas City decided that they didn't want Paseo Avenue to be the one, either they didn't want it to be the place for Martin Luther King Street to be, or they didn't like the process that we went through because it didn't include public um, input, but they chose to take that aside at the election that we had in the past. And so now we don't have any streets with Martin Luther King Boulevard. There are about 900 cities across uh, the nation that have a street named after Martin Luther King Jr. And in Missouri, there are three. Uh, there is uh, one in Springfield, one in St. Louis, and one in a uh, black incorporated town right outside of St. Louis that has a, a Martin Luther King street. But no other city in Missouri that I could find has one. And so Kansas City is trying to determine, you know, where we want to put one. I think that people want one. We're just not sure where that should be. And so there is a movement going on in some of the organizations to change Truth Avenue into Martin Luther King Boulevard or Street, and then also the Truth Lake. Now, Truth Avenue was named after Dr. Benoit Truth. He was born in Holland, but he moved to Kansas City, settling in the Independence area in about 1815. I'm going to take it back in 1844. And so he was um, one of the first doctors that was here. Kansas City was uh, incorporated or established in 1950, and he became one of the governing trustees. He's also involved in the publishing of the first newspaper in Kansas City called the Kansas City Enterprise, and one is one of the originators of the first Chamber of Commerce in 1857. He died in 1859, so that's why they named Truth Avenue after him. But there are some concerns about some of the racist history that goes with that that name and that that history. Uh, of truth, because truth was one of the dividing lines of racism in Kansas City or segregation. And to the west were a lot of white households, and to the east uh, there were a lot of black households, and a lot of that had to do with J.C. Nichols and some of the covenants that he put in place, So because he was a real estate developer here in Kansas City that barred or blocked home ownership of blacks and Jews around the plaza area, which was, east of, which was west of truth. And so there is a push now uh, for people to consider possibly Truth being Martin Luther King Boulevard. Along with that, the um, Truth Lake, which is located at about 29th and Casella, which was a man-made lake, uh, was also one of the things that people were asking or thinking about considering changing the name of. And um, that kind of was, it was made about that time when they were developing Truth, which was called Millionaire's Row, because a lot of millionaires had moved to that area when it was first developed. And, um, and so that's why we had some people on last week to determine where we should put uh, Martin Luther King Boulevard and Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Street. There have been some other things that have been thrown out about J.C. Nichols, maybe street being changed, and also people were talking about having uh, the airport changed. Um, but that's why they wanted to change truth at this time, is my understanding of some, a movement with some of the city groups to do that. We do have, or well, we should have, Mr. Fielders, Watson, who was uh, president of CID, and uh, he used to be with Commerce Bank, but now he has his own company. Theodos, are you with us? 
I am. How you doing, uh, Mr. Rickerson and everyone? It's kind of getting people. I know you got uh, you've been involved in numerous things. Uh, so this kind of give us a little uh, who you are, a brief deal, and the importance of uh, truth and what we are. One a group of people from the United Minority Media Association acronym is referred to as Yuma, and you're very cognizant of us. So give us uh, our audience, and let me say this. We are being broadcast live via Ferguson, USA, HotTalkRadio.com. We also are on YouTube, the Facebook, and the well, and we really appreciate Ferguson allowing us to join them. And we are growing. My understanding more people are listening, so... We're trying to get more people to tune in the internet. They can go to YouTube. And let me let you proceed, Mr. Watson. Well, well thank you, Mr. Richardson. And it's uh, uh, pleasure to be on the call with uh, everyone here. But um, as Mr. Richardson mentioned, I am Theodos Watson. Um, I am a commercial lender here in Kansas City uh, with Central Bank of the Midwest. Uh, formerly used to... Uh, manage a, a, a branch for Commerce Bank on 51st and True. So I uh, know this area very well. I grew up on uh, 73rd and Barfield, which is not too far from that area. So I've only worked there but lived and played in that area as well. But while I was there, uh, I also participated um, as president of the Southtown Council, uh, which is a business association that supports uh, businesses along Truth Corridor um, and also the Waddle and Brookside area, which is which is more west of that area. Uh, and all, in addition to that, I was the president of the uh, South Cal Council Board Association at one point of time, and very instrumental was getting that Truth CID along Truth, which is a community improvement district, uh, which is a half cent sales tax along Truth. Uh, which uh, really supports the businesses in that area with marketing. Um, also, uh, we provide uh, seven days a week security, uh, which kind of drives up and down the street from uh, 75th Street all the way to 47th in truth. Uh, it's really been instrumental because it just kind of helps support and if businesses need, you know, assistance until the police come, if there's any need or uh, he may have a flat tire and he can go into a local store and that officer will come and help uh, uh, Mr. Richardson if there's a need. In addition to that, it helps uh, with cleanup. Uh, so, if, you know, if you would gotten around truth probably, again, about seven years ago, you, you would see trash on the street, but now you should not. And if you do, please let me know or contact Sean Ackerson, uh, who is the president of, uh, of the director of South South Council. Uh, but uh, we have individuals come clean up and down truth um have the have the, the little uh uniform so you know that they're recognized and that really helps the visibility of, of that location in addition it helps marketing so we try to help continue to promote businesses um, along truth corridor so uh, that really helps so every dollar spent in that community goes back into that community a half cent um, which has been very successful um like i said i think it's been about seven years since uh, that's been uh, in place. And then lastly, just here this year, I was very uh, instrumental in supporting uh, the Black Lives Matter mural that's along 63rd 
uh, in truth. Uh, that was a great event. Uh, we had people of all colors, shapes, sizes, ages, uh, students all the way to your grandmother out uh, painting the mural. Um, there was Warren Stiles Harvey, who was the artist, lead artist on that. Um, and that was such a great event uh, because, again, it was very supportive. We had police officers. We had support of the schools of Bishop Hogan. Uh, we had, um, we had uh, firefighters out there. Um, and it was, it was just a great movement, small businesses out supporting. Um, and it was, we had over about 45 to 50 uh, volunteers on both days, Saturday and Sunday, uh, paying that mural. So uh, very excited. I've been involved with Truth um, and, and everything you all are saying here. Uh, I talk about the millionaire's role, very accurate. Uh, but, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of opportunity there for growth. We're seeing a lot of new development along Truth. I'm excited about that um, and just continue to look for uh, the future and see what Truth can be. Well, uh, Jez, are you around? you have any questions for Mr. Watson? Um, I'd like to ask about the Truth Fest. Um, did that happen or is it going to happen? And if so, when, where, and um, how will you be socially distancing? You know what, the Truth Fest, I have not heard uh, if that's going to happen this year. I know the Truth Market Collective, who typically uh, uh, set on, uh, were very involved in the uh, Black Lives Matter murals. Um, and so I have not heard due to COVID-19 if they're going to still have that happen, but uh, we can definitely let you know uh, because I, I have not heard that's going to take place this year. Well, it was a lot of fun um, last year, so um, please please do let us know. Judge? Absolutely. I I did have a question um, about uh, the renaming of Truth. I know that there are some organizations that are out there that are considering uh, making a move to do that. Are you part of any of those organizations? And if so, um, do you have a position or that you guys would like to put forward for people to understand why you'd like to have it be Truth instead of some other sit, uh, street in Kansas City? You know what, that's a good question, and I, you know, I, I do not have a personal position or I have not been involved in that. Um, you know, it, it could be a, a good opportunity. I, I can see that just because, as we all are aware, you know, Martin Luther King um, was, was, was definitely an economic uh, supporter, um, not just, you know, uh, uh, you know, equal rights and all that. And, you know, obviously we know the story before the past. He was really talking about the poor man's movement, and so just have, I think truth can really signify that in Kansas City. Again, I, I have no position on it, but if you go west of truth, I've, I've, I've done loans of west truth and east of truth, and unfortunately, um, you know, the housing values and, you know, the pricing and, you know, the economic development on, you know, one block west and one block east is very different. Um, so that could be a very positive thing. But, you know, I, I've heard in regards to the support from the community and who, who wants to do what, uh, but I did more research on that because I'll be curious to see, you know, what, you know, who, who's behind that movement and what, what's the purpose behind making that change. So um, I'll be really curious. No, well, let me, I, let I, me answer that. Let me answer that as I could. Well, all of us should know that truth was the dividing line. And J.C. Nichols, or Jesse Clyde Nichols, was born on August the 20th, uh, 1880. Uh, and then, you know what? He is buried 
in the Forest Hill Cemetery, East of Truth. So you have a group um, headed up by the United Minority Media Association and one of our components to get not only the lake to become Martin Luther King of Lake, but also get Truth Avenue. Now, we know we have the group led by SELC and the city council, which they failed because they did not check with the people who live east uh, on Purcell. So they had a group called Say the Purcell, and that's the other thing we want to do is recommend that we look at Ninth and Truth, 95th and Truth, and we can really recycle those signs and just put them on the bottom as attachment from the Trails Avenue, but to erect or help build a fountain and a statue of Martin Luther King, and it would rest in place the same way with Truth Lake. Now, we're getting ready to get into construction, and I want to kind of, uh, do you uh, ladies and theorists, uh, don't go anywhere, and I know the ladies are not going anywhere. Do you have any other questions you might want to ask? Uh, you know, uh, MC, I do not have uh, any questions, but I have. I want to play devil's advocate. Can I do that for a second about the uh, change of truth to Martin Luther King Boulevard? Yes, for a second. <laughs> okay, because, you know, unfortunately, um, a lot of big cities have uh, Martin Luther King Boulevard, and they themselves have turned into a dividing line. So do we want to take a dividing line and then name it something that may be inherently, you know, um, unconsciously by some people, a dividing line? I think that perhaps we should think about uh, going west of truth so that um, we can take that economic power away um, by making perhaps the former of uh, uh, J.C. Nichols Parkway. Um, that's just my opinion. I, well, we appreciate your opinion. But we're talking about opening up Kansas City, and we're talking about West of Truth. And also, as far as uh, Jesse Clyde Nichols, he destroyed our education system here in Kansas City. He was very racist. And a lot of people know that, but a lot of people try to support that, even that the J.C. Nichols Fountain with a family agreed they didn't want to name that. That, so they changed it to another name, but they was willing to uh, contribute or donate $100,000 for maintenance. Plus, anything we do, we're going to have to have maintenance of associations and endorsement. But that's, uh, that's one of my uh, answers there. But truth is a dividing line, and we're talking about town, uh, total Kansas City. We're talking about not only East, which most black folks think of East the Truth, and that's where they have to locate. Where the Jewish community bought places and business west of Truth, but all of them should be united and making this happen. And I think it will have a historical significance by being Truth Avenue, changing that to Martin Luther King Avenue. I know we're not lost to words. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, 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 that's,
that was a great point. I mean, you know what? That that, that is an interesting comment about do we want to associate that? Because um, you know, I've been in other cities, and you know, it. it me and my wife talk about this all the time. We, you know, it's always in an area, you know, where you know, and where it's low income, you know, and that's not what Martin Luther King represented, and it does. Um, you know, bring the question is that where we need to have it? Is that where we, you know, we want to put Martin King's name? But you know, again, being a, 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 a member of Kansas City and, and been born and raised and played on truth, um, you know, it, it, it can go both ways. Um, but I have the same thought process of is that where we want to represent Martin Luther King? Because um, we don't want that to be just a, a division line. We want unity and we want economic development and. Is truth the place to do it? Could be, uh, but we definitely don't want to represent the nation. So that, that's a good. That's a good question. That was a good comment. Okay, but what I'm saying, uh, we said truth uh, was a dividing line. We not just want to rename it because of that. That's just a start. We want the people to be privileged. West of truth, east of truth. Can say we have some people say, why not 63rd Street? Because that would. East and West, that would be Missouri and Kansas. You have a lot of ideas. You have a lot of people wanted Martin Luther King name to be the airport, okay? And we got so many people with different names, but I'm just saying the significant, historical significance, what that would do. Now, we have, the, we divide ourselves <laughs> other than truth. <laughs> so, you know. That's just the thing that was the divided line, okay? Absolutely. I know you have some questions before we enter into our construction segment. Well, I, I have some questions, but I don't know if um, if our guest is involved in any of this, if Mr. Watson is. Um, I know that uh, the census... The mess of the census they have this year because they they reduced the timeline of the, when we can get the census numbers in, and even though it's stretched out to October 31st, which is still less time than we've had in the 2010 census, they stopped sending people out to get census numbers. So we're still down. Um, we were undercounted in the 2010 census when we had the ability to go out and have more time to get people in, which reduced the number of uh, people that were counted for Missouri, Kansas City, and Missouri, and we lost the state uh, seats in the Congress. Uh, the con a lot of congressional seats were reduced for the electorate. Um, and so, uh, and it also got us less money. We were, we were underfunded probably. Um, we received $5.6 billion, and, and, and according to the information that we had with the guests on the show the last time, we could have gotten $79 billion had we counted everybody that we needed to count here in Missouri. And so my question goes out, Mr. Watson, because you may or may not have this information, but since the government has decided to stop going out and trying to count the people in Kansas City or anywhere to increase the numbers of those who are need to be represented, are there any activities that you are aware of that your organization or any organization is doing to try and get the information out to people who haven't filled out the census and try and get them to be counted? Um, I, you're right. I do not have that all of that detail, but I do know the South Town Council, um, along with other organizations within that area, has partnered with um, 
the uh, census organization to get people out to, to connect. Uh, I know when we did that, um, you know, the Art on the Block event uh, with the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter mural, we had a number of census workers out uh, participating in, in addition to voter registration. But, um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, I, I do not know how active they are now. And, that again, that was in August. Uh, but, yeah, it's in October. we got a couple months, um, and hopefully people are getting out and, and, and signing their census. But I do not know how active other organizations are. But that's the information that I can, I can find out and get back with the group. Uh, Jared, this is Ira. Ira, uh, the census is officially over as of the 15th. So, so the Supreme Court ruled that they, that they are over now. Oh, okay. I was under the impression that it was over on the 31st, but you could. Okay. So the Supreme Court ruled the other day that the, uh, that the census are over right now, and, uh, and I know here in the St. Louis area they are, they are sh shut down. Oh, okay. Well, we were under the um, impression that that was as to the census takers, and not and that you could still go online to the 31st. Is that not the case? Well, that may be the case, but I know the Supreme Court ruled that they were they were to be shut down, you know, and uh, so uh, and then I guess that's that's the whole idea. That what the president did and added more confusion. Uh, no one ever told us why he wanted to shut, shut down in the first place. Well, uh, I I heard and think that. If you cut down on the census, you uh, would go back being racist to get less people to count. And if you would judge, we are based on the census of how many congressional uh, officers we get. So I asked you about the electoral college and what they're based on. And Congressman uh, Wheat, I'm sorry, I'm going to hit him way back. I was Emmanuel Cooper. I'm still messed up. Cleaver, I'll get it right. That uh, we only have eight, and we really should have had nine. And if you would just tell us the importance and how they go about getting the electric college uh, people. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I will have to say that Ira is correct. I just uh, I had pulled up the website so we could talk about it, and it did say. Um, that the uh, <clears throat> self-response and field data collection operations will conclude October 15th. Internet self-response will be will conclude October 15th. So it looks like everything did conclude October 15th. Wow. <clears throat> at one point in time, wow, the, uh, right, so it's done. And it's unfortunate because at one point in time, the appellate court, I believe, gave us or uh, extended it out to the October 31st. But I think the Supreme Court um, took that back and took it away, and then they stopped picking up um, that information as of October 15th. So that would be correct. But it is very frustrating because it's like mm -hmm. people don't want to have everybody counted. Now, <clears throat> the money, what, what happens is for the Electoral College, that determines how many representatives we have in Congress voting for us. Um, if you remember in the election uh, that we had, the last presidential election, where one candidate uh, won the popular vote, but uh, President Trump won the Electoral College vote because there was a certain amount of uh, people that go uh, to the Electoral College for each state. And so if you win the state, I think, for instance, we had 10 or 11 at that time, um, I think 10. Um, and what happened was, if he wins the state, certain states have it differently, it's not uniform either. If you win one state, 
sometimes all of the counts of the electoral college could be nine or ten or fifteen votes or go towards that particular person that won the state, and they may have won by a one percent margin. Um, there are some states that yes. What would happen is you have some states that if, like in Missouri being one of those, whoever, you know, like, you know, win, you get all of the balance, you know, you go to the winner. And there's yeah. some states where you have, like, you have four candidates running, you know, uh, you know for the president. Well, they will retain uh, their, you know, their, 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 their votes, okay? Like, like, um, in some states right now, he still, you know, you know it's on the balance. And, and he, Absolutely. He can get X amount in those states. So he, he, in, the, in, the, in the college, uh, he, he would still have people there getting votes for him. Yeah, and absolutely. It's not consistent, and that's just it. Some of ours will go, some states will have all of them go to the winners of a particular state, regardless of how much they win by. Some other states will do it by a percentage. And so um, it's not consistent throughout the states, but the problem is is that if you aren't counted with the number of people you need to have <clears throat> represented, then you don't get the number of representatives in the Congress that you need uh, to have that. The other thing that we lose is money. There's $900 billion that was given out to the state for school lunches, for health care programs, for child health care insurance, um, and, and those SNAP. Um, that's determined by the number of people that are counted in the census. And so, like I said, when we had our show the last time and we were looking at the statistics, we received it from the 2010 census because of the amount of people that were counted and we were undercounted. We only received $5.6 billion when... The calculation showed us that if everybody was counted correctly, we should have received $79 billion. And that's a lot of money that we didn't have to support WIC and Section 8 and the health insurance and free lunches. And also we lost one representative in the, in the electoral college uh, because of the undercounting. And so it's so important to be correctly counted, to be correctly represented, not only in funding, but also in you know congressmen or congresswomen. And uh, it's just so vital that we do that, and it's kind of frustrating that they tried to reduce the time that we could do that through the pandemic. But it, we still, um, hopefully, I don't know what it says. I looked at the website. It said 99% of households were counted. Um, I don't believe that, but okay. No. <laughs> no. That's what it said on the, that's what it said on the website. Somebody, I don't think somebody can count right, or maybe their interpretation of households is a little warped. But, not in St. Louis, they didn't count. They didn't count the same year. No, not in Kansas City either. So. so maybe it is households, but we got a whole bunch of homeless people and a bunch of people they don't know are households um, that have not been accurately counted. So it's it's a little frustrating, but I guess at this point in time, we're going to have to see what the outcome is. Well, uh, you know, all of you have been really contributing some good information. Hopefully, that uh, some people heard about it, and uh, we are growing in uh, listeners, so I uh, uh, guess who's coming to Kansas City via uh, Ferguson, USA, HotTalkRadio.com, but there was one aspect, and it was the people to stay in both, three, you got four of you people, persons, I guess, are really doing a great job. Hopefully, people listening will tell their friends that as we get ready to set the tone, and don't go nowhere now for construction, Floyd Johnson, who was a master electrician, and this is something 
that happened to him X amount of years ago in a rural area about over 160 miles from Kansas City where he was working as an electrician and he got bitten by a brown spider. That has cost him amputation of a leg and also he's in dialysis. And I don't know, a lot of time we when it's winter, summer, whatever, we get these insects. But the black spider is a dangerous spider. We normally think about black willow. And he had also told me, uh, let me get the um, people, the audience, that is a word going out announcement that I quit KKFI doing Guess Who's Coming to Kansas City. That is not true. They suspended me because I did not have an uh, engineer. And they said you had to be responsible for your own engineer. Plus, there was an in-house site, and I put it like that, so I won't get racial. But on the same token, it's been a lot of people say, we want you back on KKSI. And what I would strongly consider with uh, Ferguson USA HotTalkRadio.com that we do simulcasting. That way we can cover St. Louis, we cover Kansas City, because the difference between KKFI and Ferguson is that Ferguson is an internet, but KKFI is a frequency. And see, a lot of people like to hear music and hear the shows on radio, and we'll go into construction ladies and gentlemen. And I think that we have, we have Mr. Calvin Perry, who, Calvin Perry, are you with us? Yes, sir, I'm here. We'll let you uh, take it from there, and then you have Carla, are you with us? No, we didn't, no, we couldn't, we didn't get Carla uh, uh, either, uh, uh, Paul, couldn't get either of those two. Oh, okay, well, Calvin, will, uh, he can handle it. So, Mr. Perry, tell the people who you are, what you stand for, and we'll go into that. Not limited to just construction, but that's our topic for today. Well, uh, my name is Kelvin Perry. Um, I'm currently the president of the Black Chamber of Commerce of Greater Kansas City. Uh, I happen to uh, be one of the original founders of the Black Chamber. <clears throat> Uh, when it was started in 19, well, when it was conceived in 1984, and when it was incorporated in 1985. MC Richardson happens to be one of those original founders and one of the original trustees of the organization. Um, the Black Chamber was conceived and started as a vehicle through which to promote, sustain, uh, and maintain economic progress for black-owned enterprises in the metropolitan Kansas City area, and also as a medium uh, for ensuring the inclusion of black-owned businesses in the overall business and economic development plans for the area. The purpose of the uh, Black Chamber is to ensure that black-owned businesses always have an opportunity to be heard. Uh, it is through uh, the Chamber's persistent voice, its advocacy, 
that black-owned businesses are able to effectively communicate and address the needed changes to rectify continued racial imbalances in the economy and to strengthen the community. Uh, with that said, um, let me, I'd like to uh, offer our condolences to the uh, Alex Harris uh, family uh, on his death. Um, and I'd like to say that um, one of the things that uh, really inspired uh, the formation of the Black Chamber had to do with uh, Alex Harris and uh, his pioneering efforts that we saw um, and his motivation uh, to make a difference um, in just this fortitude as it related to teaching the trades and the way uh, he was so persistent uh, with the MOCAN organization, and this was in the uh, 70s, uh, and, it, and this movement went on into the, uh, into the 80s. Um, and one of the very first things when we uh, restored and sort of reconstituted the uh, uh, the Black Chamber, we sat around the table and we talked about uh, Alex, Alex and the movement, that is the MOCAN movement, uh, that was very, very instru in, uh, instrumental um, in gaining us really qualified uh, black uh, constructors um, in Kansas City. And we agreed that uh, Alex had been sort of must a pioneer in that movement and uh, leading up to the airport project we felt that uh, not enough recognition had been afforded Alex uh, uh, and attention given to Alex being that pioneer and ahead of uh, a determination as to uh, who would lead that project and what that project would look like for Kansas City we decided we would uh, bring to Kansas City um, the film about Atlanta and how the airport project for the city of Atlanta transformed the entire community of Atlanta. Uh, that movie screening being uh, the movie Maynard, the man, the politician, uh, the game changer, and we brought that to Kansas City in recognition of, of what it could mean for Kansas City if we would take the same approach about our, about our uh, airport project and how it could be transformative uh, for minority businesses, and particularly African-American-owned businesses. And we wanted to bring that here in recognition uh to Alex Harris as being a pioneer in the effort to grow black-owned uh, uh, construction uh, uh, contractors in Kansas City. And ahead of the showing, this was back in uh, March, uh, I think the showing was March 14th at the Tivoli. Ahead of that showing, um, we presented Alex with uh, our Pioneer Award um, for all he had done 
uh, in his pioneer efforts to lead us in that effort uh, to give us a strong base of, of minority uh, contractors and invited uh, folks to um, uh, congratulate and co uh, commemorate with Alex. Alex was ill at the time, uh, but Alex was there and uh, we showed our appreciation uh, to Alex for all the work that he had done uh, back starting in 1969 and leading the effort with MoCan that had grown into a very dynamic organization spreading across uh, four states at the time. Um, so our hats are off to uh, Alex and our condolences go out to uh, his family uh, on his death. As it relates to uh, construction, and I know the project that we have been most determined to make transformative for Kansas City, uh, the largest project of its sorts in the area, and certainly for Kansas City, has been the KCI Terminal Modernization Project um, that we have heard of. And I know there's been a lot of discussion about the uh, report that was put out uh, by Edgewood CWC in terms of reaching a milestone in terms of uh, now having, I think uh, the report said, uh, 100 uh, MDE contractors. Uh, we don't track um, the project in the same manner in which I think they report the project in terms of the contracts that they have because we have no way to verify uh, because of uh, the information because so much of the project is proprietary and um, quite frankly it's very difficult to monitor. What we're able to track and we carefully do so are payments. Payments to minority and women on local contractors and what I can say to you the project uh, has not always been what we would have expected it to be from a transformative uh, aspect and you've seen us write about it you've heard us talk about it in that sense as of uh, October 9th uh, our reports will indicate that 72% uh, of the project is complete as to professional services. That is the design part of the project. And 24% of the project is complete as to construction. Project expenditures uh, uh, as of that date total roughly $244 million. Um, roughly 26.5% uh, of $64.7 million has been spent with MWBE firms. Um, there have been a total of 246 contractors engaged on the project. Uh, that would include 64 unique MBE and 54 unique WBE firms. Uh, the project is behind uh, if you use um, the expenditure uh, report uh, to calculate particip participation. 
it is behind roughly uh, three percentage points uh, in meeting the MBE participation and roughly 10 percentage points behind on WBE participation. Um, now, I think if you were to look at if, if you were to look at the purported contracts that um, CWC and Edgemore would put before you, they would say that they're right on schedule. And I think that's what they uh, attempt to say um, in the communication that was sent out um, uh, on October the 6th. But we have no way to verify those contracts because those are not made public. But it looks to me, based on the expenditure report, that they, they, they're behind. And this is typically uh, what happens in terms of M and WBE participation. It's normally made up or attempted to be made up at the end of the procurement cycle. And that is where we are on this project. Although we have two, two more years of construction to take place, we're at the end of, the very end of, the buying, the purchasing uh, for the project. There are probably two major packages left to be procured on the project. Uh, as it relates to our vigilance as an organization, uh, because we've been quite vigilant um, and quite quite an advocate um, and even uh, been involved in some of the negotiations, um, we currently have... 16 of our members engaged on the project, um, and uh, as of October 9th, I think uh, our, we have members holding roughly uh, uh, $51.5 million in contracts on the project. You know, you speak of that, but some of the people might not be cognizant of, it's just like in... Uh, the Phil of West, a lot of things that the Black Chamber under your leadership have really got people going in their business. And uh, Terry Stapleton, tell us about that particular uh, thing that you guys led to get her involved in uh, business. Well, I think I'm, I'm trying to think back. I can't tell you the exact year, but Phil uh, West is a it's been um, a long time affiliate uh, with the Black Chamber. Phillips West was uh, a business moment of the year, I think, 2003, 2004, something like that. But uh, Phillips West is involved with us right now. We're engaged in a, a, a project, uh, and I'm not supposed to be talking about it, but it's a project that the um, Stronger Together KC. Um, and she's doing some PR work with us and uh, the private investors. Um, it's a, an initiative that we will unveil that will be a, a low-interest loan fund, a fairly significant one, along with uh, a variety of technical administrative um, services that will be provided, not just for Black Chamber member firms and probably not really utilized by Black Chamber member firms, but for uh, 
African-American businesses across the uh, metropolitan area to enhance uh, their businesses. Um, we hope to unveil it within the next uh, month or two. Uh, but uh, it is very, very significant. And hopefully, um, it, at least it is designed to help businesses that have been adversely affected by the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, she was up to do a lot of the PR work, um, and Carrie has been very, very good at that. I mean, she probably would want me to be doing an ad for her, but um, she's always been very, very helpful. Well, also, uh, some other people you have helped and enhanced their business. We're now, let's go back to the dear, let's go back to Rona, let's go back to Theo, let's go back to Ira. Do you have any questions for Mr. Perry? Oh, well, Perry, I'm sorry. Mr. Perry, this is Rona Holliman Hughes. How you doing? First of all, you know, we don't have a lot of time, but I would um, like to know of you to tell the audience how to become a uh, member, uh, a firm member of the Black Chamber here in Kansas City. And then I want to ask you some questions about the um, KCI project. Um, I'm really very interested in actual boots on the ground. Do you know, can you tell us how many people are actually getting jobs on these projects? I see that they're already under um, in their projection for uh, WBE and MBE. Um, it's been my experience that even when they have WBE and MBE, we don't actually have men and women from our city on these projects. Um, they simply have firms who you know, simply don't hire other black people. Um, so uh, can you tell us if the pre-apprenticeship program is working? I know uh, Clyde and FEC were having a pre-apprenticeship program um, that Edgemore was paying for at the beginning, but do we know how many actual people are getting jobs on KCI projects? Uh, that's a very good question, and and I'm going to be I'm going to give you an honest answer. I think the honest answer is we don't. I put together a um, a a group within the chamber. Um, all it had to be eight months ago to deal specifically with workforce, and it just fell apart. And let me tell you why it fell apart. It fell apart because I couldn't get the participation from CWC Edgemore. Uh, they hired uh, a guy to head that up. Uh, we couldn't get their participation in attendance so we could get the, da the, the data. Um, uh, from our side, um, the Black Chamber side, we convened the big um, constructors who would agree to attend along with our union members. And because we had a couple of uh, big union folks, Elise Martini, um, uh, Reggie uh, Thompson with the... Thomas with the labor. So what we did was we pulled them along with the guys with uh, at least our, our our constructors on the heavy utility side, uh, and I think we call that the workforce discussion group. 
we're going to need to up with just so we can get at uh, what was happening in terms of the workforce. And the very first meeting, we scheduled the first very first meeting, and uh, the guy in charge of it at uh, CWC uh, refused to attend the meeting. So we ended up meeting ourselves, but we have never been able to get a handle on uh, the work hours, the apprentice apprentice hours, and the people who were actually hired and put in the apprenticeship programs. And we we get some data from, um, at, at least we were getting some data from HRD on that. Well, Mr. Perry, unfortunately, without our time, we will do another show. So quickly, would everybody tell how they can get uh, people can contact them? Go ahead, Calvin. Calvin, let me get that right. You can, you can all reach me at uh, 913-220-0281. Okay. Uh, Rona? Uh, I am... Uh Again, with the Federal Public Defender's Office, but you can, if you want to contact me through my um, email, rnn underscore at yahoo.com. Judge? Um, you can reach me through the Kansas City Municipal Court. Um, you can either send an email there to me or you can uh, go ahead and call the main number. <clears throat> they can probably put you through my division. It'll normally send them straight to my office. I want to remind everybody to please go out and do your voting, absentee voting. You can go down to the Union Station or some other areas to do that. Mail-in voting has to be notarized. And uh, make sure that you get that done in enough time to get it mailed and get it counted. So we've got to get out and make sure we vote. Uh, Mr. Watson? Are you still with us, Fielder? Uh, I, I am. I am. Fielder Swatson, uh, 913-901-3038. And I may make everyone's comments. Definitely get out and vote. Uh, so this is a moment in our history. So um, thank you for having me. That's our folks. Uh, our folks from the Zero Bank Human Comrades. Uh, you and I website. Um, Missouri, the worst, uh, Missouri, 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 Chairman and the founder of the United Minority Media Association, and we are a membership organization. You can reach me. I'm open 24-7 at 816-822-8866, and I want to congratulate you in doing this excellent show. And like Mr. Scott Owen, our engineer up in uh, St. Louis, we are growing with our listeners. Thank you very much. And have a good weekend. Good night. Good night. Take care. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right. Thank each and every one. I know how to reach each and every one of you. Going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come. Going to Kansas City. 